1: stories with Nancy Grace. Yes, I knew better up here in my head, but I was one of the few that thought there was a chance, a slim chance, a tiny chance, a sliver of a chance that missing Connecticut mom of five, Jennifer Dulos, could still be alive. And then... Her conniving husband, Fotis Dulos, and his mistress, Michelle Traconis, had to just blow it all up for me when I found out the things that they were caught on camera disposing of in various locations all over town were bloody clothing, rags, items. Then I knew, I still didn't want to know, but I knew that this mom is dead have we found her body? HEWLN-O. But no body, no case? That is absolutely not true. The mistress, Traconis, heading to trial right now. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thanks for being with us here at Crime Stories and on Sirius XM 111. Just to jog your memory, not that you legal eagles. You know, uh, Mark Sherman joining me, high-profile lawyer. And don't get mad, Mark, but I'm going to introduce you as the son of Mickey Sherman, another great trial lawyer and friend. This is your jurisdiction. In court, we try to put it nicely. Say, um, Your Honor, may I refresh the witness's recollection? That's a legal term of art, right, Mark Sherman? Correct, correct.
2: Well, look, I'm, I'm here in the courthouse. It's a zoo here, Nancy. There's you know, 50 cameras, and the, the evidence is getting started today. They expect it to go about seven weeks. Um, you know, I everyone's uh, really anxious to hear how the state's going to start off.
1: I can't wait, but I can tell you how we're going to start off by refreshing everyone's recollection. Take a listen. What's uh, the location of your emergency?
4: yeah, I uh, I'm worried about my uh wife and kids because they uh they left
5: to go to New York and I haven't uh, been able to get in touch with them.
0: Okay. Where they were going to New York, what's the license plate on the car? Excuse me? What's the license plate on the car?
2: Uh well, I, I have to get them
4: for you. Okay, what's know. what's
0: the, who's the car registered to?
4: It's uh registered to my wife's name, Jennifer Dulos.
0: Spell the last name for me,
4: uh, Dulos D U L O S. But when, uh, the loan is not answering, uh,
5: they're not answering their cell phones. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been texting and I see that the texts are being delivered, mm-hmm. but nobody's responding to me.
0: Okay, do you have like a the, the find your iPhone app or anything like
2: that? Uh, what's uh,
0: Okay, what's your name?
5: It's
1: uh, FOTIS, F-O-T-I-S. Doesn't know about Find My iPhone. Now, okay, maybe someone like my mom who lives with us, she has an iPhone. She doesn't know about finding an iPhone, but she's 92. How can you not know about Find My iPhone? You know how many cases have been solved with Find My iPhone? Uh, Now, what happened that day? It was the Friday before Memorial Day. Take a listen to this. The Friday before Memorial Day, Jennifer Doulos dropped her children off at school near her Cannon, Connecticut home. She had an 11 a.m. appointment, which she missed. No one hears from her for 10 hours. That night, Jennifer Dulos is reported missing by her family and friends, and the search begins. With me, an all star panel you've already met, high profile lawyer Mark Sherman joining us from the courthouse. But first, I now want to go to Jen Smith, the chief investigative reporter for DailyMail.com, who has also been covering the case from the get go. It's New Canaan, Connecticut and uh, I've driven through New Canaan, Connecticut several, many times, and uh, it's about an hour 10, hour 15, maybe-ish from Manhattan. Long story short, I drove through because it was too expensive for me to even breathe the air there. A lot of rich people. You ever seen New Canaan? I mean, every house looks like a mansion. And that is where Jen Smith, Jennifer and Fotis Dulos lived with their five children, correct? Yeah, pretty much, Nancy.
0: As you say, this is where the wealthy families of Manhattan go when they want to get a bit of fresh air, very expensive fresh air, and I send their kids to these prestigious schools up in the Connecticut suburbs. So Jennifer and Fotis Doulos really fit the description of an incredibly privileged family. She herself comes from money. Her own father was a kind of financial wizard, very well known in Wall Street. And Fotis Doulos was a property developer at the time. He got some help from his
1: wife's generous and wealthy family. Wait, 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 wait. You know, that's certainly putting perfume on the pig, Jen Smith. I don't know if they have that <laughs> phrase over in the UK, but uh, Jen, Jen. perfume on the pig. Jennifer Dulos, father, worked his rear end off and was brilliant financially. He worked, he made the money not photos doulos. Now, you said something about property development. He ran a construction company. My, my, my uncle built houses out in the mud and the dirt and the rain, building houses. But you said he got help. That's where the perfume on the pig comes in. He got, what, over a million dollars. He got Jennifer's father to fork over money to keep his construction business afloat. Isn't that true? Yeah, that is true. Um, help is probably an understatement. Jennifer's father
0: um, really helped them, I think. Well, her, right? He was looking after his daughter, I suppose. But he really bankrolled uh, this construction company, Fortis described as property development. He's obviously trying to uh, put carving on his own take there. And yeah, the, Jennifer's father really helped him stay afloat uh, for years while he was building properties, completing various projects up in uh, New Canaan and and surrounding areas in Connecticut.
1: Uh, Joining me is behavior expert, former FBI special agent, chief of the FBI counterintelligence behavioral analysis program and author of Sizing People Up, a veteran FBI agent's manual for behavior prediction. So, Robin, have you ever heard of routine Evidence,
6: Yeah, because it really comes into someone's life arc and their baseline of their normal behavior that they exhibit every day, no doubt.
1: Yeah, it's like this uh, to Mark Sherman joining us, managing partner of the Mark Sherman Law Firm. Mark, uh, for instance, if Jackie Howard was not in this studio an hour before I come in here, viciously complaining about something, but getting everything ready... That would be completely opposite of her routine. She's always here and it's always ready. So if I came down here and pl- plopped into the chair and there was no Jackie right there with me, I would know she was either dead or in the hospital. Okay, that is routine evidence. She has a routine and Jennifer Dulos had a routine. She's the mother of five. She does pick up and drop off every day. And so for her to go missing for 10 hours and not pick up the phone, that's a problem, Mark Sherman. Sure. But it doesn't
2: necessarily mean that the defendant killed her. But honestly, but I agree with you. It gets in as long as the state can get first firsthand evidence of, of that routine. It can't just be speculation. It's got to be someone with with direct knowledge, firsthand knowledge of that
1: routine. You know what? You just did, Mark Sherman, and I'm so happy you did it. Joining me is Dr. Jeff Kelshevsky, forensic psychologist, author of Dark Sides. Dr. Kelshevsky, thank you for being with us. Did you hear what Sherman just did? And that's what the jury's going to do. He said, well, wait a minute. Just because she's been gone 10 hours, that doesn't mean the husband did it. See, that's the first thing that went to his mind, Dr. Jeff.
5: Well, I think uh, this really speaks to the idea when you talk about routine evidence and understanding that this routine has been disrupted and who would have knowledge of this person's routine. uh, And it could be her ex-husband knowing what time the children will be dropped off at school, what time she typically will go back. And oftentimes when someone's planning out a crime, they're obviously going to try to learn the person's routine to know when they can sort of deploy to commit that crime.
1: You're so right, and I love the way that Mark Sherman's ma- mind immediately went, well, that doesn't mean the husband did it. Methinks thou doth protest too much, Mark Sherman. Hey, Mark is joining us at the courthouse. Mark, you said there's 50 cameras. What, does everybody want to get a look at Fotis Dulos, his mistress, Michelle Traconis? You know, Nancy,
2: this is it's, 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 it's a town of 20,000 people. It's a Tony town. It's a compelling story of a... There's so many moving pieces here that just make this case compelling. And it's, it's, it's really grabbing the attention of a lot of people around the country.
1: Well, I guess so, because everybody wants justice. Why are we so concerned? Because massive amounts of blood. Turn up in Jennifer Dulos' garage.
2: From BBC Radio 4.
1: Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Jen Smith joining me, chief investigative reporter, DailyMail.com. Jen, who exactly? I just heard Fotis Dulos, blah, blah, blah. Is he the first one that called 911 about her disappearance? No, he's not, actually. So on the day of Jennifer Dulos' appearance,
0: by this time, Jennifer and Fotis were not living together. They were in the midst of a really acrimonious divorce and custody battle. The first people who alerted the authorities to the fact that she had vanished were her friends. They were concerned about the fact that on this day, she had missed several appointments that she was due to attend after dropping off the kids. What were the appointments, Jim Smith? You know, I'm not sure if they were anything super out of the ordinary. We're talking about routine things. She wasn't really working at the time, so it was... Things along the lines
1: of, like, dentist appointment. Okay, hold on, hold on, little girl. Jen Smith, do you have children? I do not. Okay, well, hopefully one day you'll have that joy that I have. Now, of course, before I had children, I hated it when people said that. Uh, But now that I have children, I found out I was never happy. I just thought I was happy. My point I'm leading up to, Jen Smith, two children. I'm, like, exhausted. By the end of the day, I fall asleep sitting in a chair straight up. I'm like, whoa, what happened? This woman is working, trust me, in the home. But you're right. It wasn't like showing up at the office. For all I know, it was meeting. Right. Yeah, yeah. It could have been a, a, a PTA meeting. It could have been a cookie sale. I don't know what it was. But they were on to it. She was not, she wasn't due to attend business meetings. But of
0: course, a mother of five is a very busy woman working a lot harder than, you know, many people who are in an office all day. Of course, that's not what I meant by any stretch of the imagination. But these
1: were, you know, the, the, what's relevant here is that these are piecemeal little things. Oh, hey, I know what they are. I've got it in my notes right here, uh, Jen. And also, you know, she was a writer. She did write for Patch.com. Uh, and she was seen returning home at 8.05 a.m. on a neighbor's security camera. But it was two doctor's appointments in New York City. Um, that's what she missed. I thought it was doctor's appointments. And in my notes, I've got that the nanny, Lauren Almeida, and another friend, they were the ones to first report her missing. Okay. So that, that's the answer to that. All right, let's get to the blood. Take a listen to Crime Online's Dave Mack.
3: When investigators arrive at Jennifer Dulo's home, blood stains are visible not only on the garage floor, but garbage cans and a car parked in the garage. The car in the garage was not the Chevy Suburban the mom was known to drive. Police initiate a search for her vehicle. A little over an hour later, in just three miles from the home, officers find the abandoned Suburban by Waveney Park. It contains blood evidence, too. Back at the home, investigators determined someone had tried to clean the concrete floor.
1: Okay. I love nothing better than talking about blood evidence. And joining me, in addition to a renowned medical examiner, Dr. Kendall Crowns, is Jeff Gentry. Jeff is a forensic certified bloodstain pattern analyst and an ABMDI. What is that? American Board of medico-legal death investigators. He's author of A Visual Guide to Bloodstain Pattern Analysis. What could be better than that book? A visual guide to bloodstain pattern analysis, bloodstain pattern analysis for death and crime scene investigators, and that's not all. He couldn't stop himself. He's also the author of Death Investigation: Information to Obtain During a Forensic Death Investigation. I know what I'm doing tonight, Jeff Gentry. Thank you for being with us. I'm going to follow up and see how what Dr. Kendall Crowns. But his analysis is as an overlay if he agrees or disagrees with you, Jeff Gentry. So we're having a little pop quiz, Jeff Gentry. So he is going to be your teacher. He's going to grade your answer. They say that that someone had tried to clean up the cement floor. How could they tell that?
4: So first, what I read was that there was blood spatter. Uh, Blood spatter is indicative of trauma or force being applied to blood. So right away, that tells you that something really bad happened there, that there was some kind of a a violent act. Um, There was also blood transfers, meaning uh, that these blood stains were transferred to different locations throughout the garage. So that's also indicative of a struggle or somebody was fighting back after they were bleeding. Then on top of all of that, you've got multiple areas of cleanup. Um, so the way that they can tell that blood has been cleaned up is it appears diluted or altered. We all know what normal blood looks like. It's it's red, it's kind of brownish, but then when you apply either chemicals or water to it, it's going to change the appearance. So that's how you can tell that blood has been cleaned up or altered. Um, so it it's actually quite easy if you have experience in seeing blood stains on a regular basis and doing the analysis, but it can really tell you a lot. It can tell you the events that transpired during a violent act or a bloody crime scene. Um, And I use it all the time in my
1: scenes. Jeff Gentry, another thing that I like about you, and you remind me a great deal of Dr. Crown's, you're so humble and modest. No, it's not, quote, really easy. Most people would walk in and see absolutely nothing. You, however, and expert crime scene investigators, would spot... Spatter. Sometimes it's a mist. Sometimes there's a mist of blood. Sometimes the spatter is down by the floorboards. And they're just tiny specks. Sometimes you have to bring in luminol and look at every inch of the wall and floor. I wonder if they looked at the sides of the car that was still parked there. Was that car parked there when when, uh, Jennifer Dulos was murdered? was the lover, Michelle Giacona, standing by watching. But listen to this, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jen Smith, Daily Mail, large stains, and I'm reading from my notes, so I want to make sure this is right. Large stains of Jennifer's blood were discovered in her garage on trash cans and in her master bedroom. Garage, master bedroom of her home... The concrete floor, two cat trash cans, and the passenger door of a Range Rover. Shoe impressions, according to cops, indicate someone had attempted to clean up the blood. And I'm taking that to mean that there were bloody footprints, much as we saw in the OJ Simpson double murder debacle. Is that correct, Jim Smith? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And the
0: most significant uh, area was the area in the garage. There was so much blood or traces of blood there that it led police and prosecutors to believe that she was injured to the extent that there was no way she could have
1: survived there was that much blood there that's what they found that's exactly where i was headed you read my mind jen smith again dr kendall crowns i mentioned earlier chief medical examiner tarrant county that's fort worth never lack of business lecturer university of texas austin and texas christian university medical school dr kendall crowns what does that really mean, that there was such a huge quantity of blood in her garage, they knew she's dead. She could not survive this. So
9: anytime you see a lot of blood in
1: a in a crime scene and
9: no body, you know that the loss of blood can result in death. So once you see enough to equal about 30 to 40 percent of whatever circulating blood you would have in your body, which would be about close to a gallon, you know someone's
1: died. Are you saying you would find a gallon of blood on the garage floor, or there is a gallon of blood? Think of a milk jug gallon. That's how much blood is in our body? A gallon?
9: No, no. Uh, that's about 40% of your circulating blood, so about Roughly two and a half gallons of blood.
1: Well, where's the rest of the blood? I thought it was all circulating.
9: Well, if someone's stabbed or beaten, it'll come out of their body and be all over the crime scene. So if you see 40%, what you estimate about 40% of their circulating blood outside of their body, you know they're
1: dead. So you're saying it would take what, a gallon of blood? Close to a gallon. Garage floor for them to know she's dead
9: correct and plus it's in
1: multiple locations who's this this is mark yeah i was just going to come to you we're going to hear about it in court but go ahead what were you saying i was going to say i I understand all these
2: points and they're valid but what does this have to do with michelle traconis are we trying photos Dulos today and in this trial are we trying michelle traconis and I, i don't know if the defense is going to want the jury to think Fotis did this,
1: but Michelle had nothing to do with it and didn't know anything. He I haven't even gotten to Michelle Traconis. <laughs> well, <that's laughs> she was in the car and admits to being in the car while Fotis Dulos was throwing out clothing. I think, what was it, Jackie, a shirt? Jim Smith, wasn't he caught on video going all around town throwing away, what, a bra, shirt, bloody rags, and that blood matches back to his wife, wife, Jennifer Dulles, Dulos, the mother of his five children, and Miss Thing is sitting right there in the car while he's going from trash can to trash can. Yes, no. Yes, she was in the car when, Now she says they were on their way to get
0: a kind of late afternoon, evening coffee in town. Whoa, 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 late afternoon
1: coffee? Yes. No, that's not a bit questionable. I don't know what is. 30 trash cans, Jen. Was that on the way? Yeah. 30 trash cans? That's what he says. He dropped off off the trash and she claims or insists actually multiple times that she has no idea what what was in the bag. Yeah, her. That's what we're talking about, Sherman. The one that was having sex with the married man with five children, her. Her, the one but, you're but that defending. That doesn't make her
2: a killer, Nancy. That doesn't make her a killer, and I, obviously that—that's obvious. But,
1: but I don't care who has sex with anybody. Cats and dogs sleeping together don't care. Couldn't care less. What I do care about is who killed her and who was part of it.
2: But Nancy, I expect everyone downstairs in this courthouse to think she had something to do with it. But is there enough evidence? to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, is there enough of this circumstantial evidence to convict her? I think that's going to be the issue in this trial. I don't think anyone's walking out of there thinking she was an innocent bystander here. But is there enough circumstantial evidence to convict her?
1: Was I snoring? Oh, okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I fell asleep during that. Uh, Right. (laughs) Okay. Now, back to the blood. Dr. Kendall-Crowns, I'm just imagining... If like a refocus, get us out of the weeds where Mark Sherman just led us, which is his job. He learned it from his dad, Mickey Sherman. That's why he won all those cases. Let's get back on the blood, and then I'll deal with Miss Thing, Michelle Traconis, who's supposed to go on trial. A gallon of blood. If I see a gallon of blood on a cement floor of the garage, I know somebody's dead. Is that right, Dr. Crowns?
9: It's correct. It's a little less than a gallon, but a gallon, you're dead.
1: Wow. So that tells me that it wasn't a, a, an asphyxiation. It wasn't a strangulation. It was either blunt trauma or stabbing or shooting. That's the only way. Can you think of anything else, Dr. Crowns?
9: No, those would be the main ones. I can't think of blunt trauma, stabbing, shooting. Yeah, that there wouldn't be anything else that would create that much blood.
1: I'm so tempted to use a curse word, Robin Drake. Uh, behavior expert, former FBI special agent. Listen to this. Chief of the FBI Counterintelligence Behavior Analysis Program. Wow. Robin Dree, I'm just thinking, the word I wanted to say was dumb, A-S-S, but I gave up cursing when I had the twins, so I can't say dumbass. Because we saw in O.J. Simpson where you could see from the crime scene photos, you'd have to be on the scene to see bloody footprints. And here there are traces of bloody footprints. There was so much blood he was actually walking through it.
4: Um, So one thing you have to look at too with the blood is not only the volume of blood, but what type of blood stains. So like I mentioned before, blood spatter is indicative of trauma. So even if you don't have necessarily that entire volume of blood that would indicate death, you have to look at how these blood stains were created. And if they were created by force, that implies that there was some traumatic event. And then also is... I start thinking about how did that bleeding victim leave that crime scene? And if you don't see that bloody victim's footprints or evidence of them crawling or being dragged out of the scene, you know that they did not leave on their own free will. So that is very much consistent with that person being incapacitated and put inside of a vehicle and then driven away from that crime scene. And it, it's very common in, in no body cases where there's blood.
1: Well put. How do you tell the age of old blood? Uh, Mark Sherman, you know what? Little boy,
9: I'm fifty, Nancy. I'm (laughs) fifty. Why? Why would? Why would age of the blood matter, though? I mean, if there's a lot of blood, all of the scene of all of a similar time frame, why would it matter, age or not? They're dead. Well, it's, it's it's my argument would be that if it's from an older date, that's not
2: so recent, it does cast some doubt into whether the blood came from this past weekend or.
1: A week and a half ago. mark sherman let me ask you one question does two plus two equal four in your world yes okay so she takes the children to school that morning then she disappears there's a huge pool of blood her blood in her garage floor in the master bedroom and elsewhere she was just alive 10 hours later she's gone and there's a pool of blood Wow. Whose could it be? Do you think she bled out a week before and managed to keep walking? I mean, I appreciate what you're trying to do, Mark Sherman, but really? Uh, don't make me take you back to law school, okay? Because I will. No, I'm just, I'm referring to
2: the the minor the minor spatters, not the pool of the blood, obviously. I know there were different places in different locations that there was, there was some blood. And everywhere. there's
1: another issue, Mark Sherman, and yes, I'm pulling your leg, but that's what successful defense attorneys do. That's actually their job to find, poke little holes in the state's case until suddenly there's a flood of doubt coming through those holes. And that's what he's doing, and that's what makes them a good defense attorney. But in a yes, no, Dr. Kendall Crowns, if blood had pooled that morning after she came back home from drop-off around 8.15, 8.30, In 10 hours, the blood would not be completely dried up. Would it still be tacky?
9: It can still be tacky. I mean, that's a significant amount of blood. It won't be completely dried in that time frame.
1: Okay, uh, as Mark Sherman wants us to, you asked for it, and now you're going to get it. You know what Oscar Wilde said, be careful what you ask, my dear, for you will surely get it. And now you're getting it. What does the mistress have to do with this. Look, again, I don't care who sleeps with who, but when a dead body pops up, uh uh-huh, I'm giving it to you. Both Barrels. Take a listen to our cut five.
5: Multiple agencies took part in the search. Officers canvassed the park, handed out flyers, and used canines and aerial searches. And most dramatically, video searches of local CCTV cameras. Surveillance cameras capture a man appearing to be Fotis Doulis, disposing of garbage bags in as many as 30 receptacles in the area. A woman can be seen in the passenger seat of the man's car. Police recover clothes and household items with Jennifer Doulis' blood on it in trash cans around Hartford. Specifically, the bags contained women's clothing, plastic zip ties, and a white T-shirt, all stained. Police also found a stained utility knife, a bath towel, and cleaning items, such as a kitchen sponge.
1: Oh, he's a neat Nick, He's cleaning up. Blood. Now listen to Sidney Sumner, Crime Online.
8: The woman in the vehicle with Fotis Doulos is identified as his live-in girlfriend, Michelle Traconis. Police search warrants say Michelle Traconis identified photos of the surveillance videos as Fotis Doulos and admitted that she was the woman pictured. She confirmed multiple stops were made to discard bags, but she denies knowing what was in them. Doulos and Traconis 44, are arrested, charged with tampering or fabricating physical evidence and hindering prosecution. They both pleaded not guilty. And to Jen Smith, chief investigative
1: reporter, DailyMail.com. Her response is, oh, I was busy on my phone. I don't know what happened. BS, Jen.
0: Indeed. I mean, it's so suspicious stopping at this many trash cans, this many locations. But she's insisting she didn't uh, ask any questions of this man that she was living with. And that, as you say, was just looking on her phone. Now, you have to, of course, wonder whether or not she is completely making all of that up, likely, or you have to ask whether or not she really was that naive to just be turning a blind eye, not questioning this man, who by all accounts nope. is very assertive. Oh, my
1: my head is actually hurting. And I don't think so. I'm sure, Mark Sherman, that you don't think so. I'm sure that's you. No, no, it's Robin. <laughs> okay, Robin, listen, Robin Drake, FBI behavior analyst. When my husband, oh, this is like eating a dirt sandwich for me. When my husband who drives, I call him Granny Lynch uh, because he drives so slowly. I'm like, can you move this tub of tin for Pete's sake when we're trying to get somewhere? If he stopped 30 times to throw things in trash, you don't think I would be standing on my head in the driver's seat? And not only that, when he takes out a bloody bra or T-shirt and throws that away. Yeah, I'm going to ask a question, Robin Drake.
6: 100%. You know, and, and at the same time, I acknowledge the fact that it's circumstantial. But what you have here is, and we said at the very beginning, you have a life arc and a baseline of her, Michelle Traconis, Her personal professional life for her entire life is all been about situational awareness. Because of the job she had, it's incongruent with naivete. It's incongruent with lying and deceiving yourself with the types of jobs and people she's been around her entire life. So for her to all of a sudden say, oh, now I'm oblivious to this new behavior that entered my life of him throwing out all these bags. It it makes no sense. It doesn't hold any water because it's completely incongruent with how she's lived her life for this time.
1: And there is another issue to Dr. Jeff Kelshevsky. I love security surveillance and i'm looking right now on my little phone at photos doulos with a bunch of stuff in his hands going toward a public trash can and guess who has gotten out of the car michelle traconis there's no way i mean i'm looking at her she's out of the car he's out and she's out of the car. And he is like three feet from her, maybe five feet, throwing away bloody clothes. So, Dr. Jeff, how can she say, I didn't know what was going on?
5: Well, you know, you see this. We already saw this with FOTUS, this approach to lying by acting naive. Um, Juries do not. They look at what typical people would do in typical situations. And would it be typical that you would be so naive that when there's multiple dozens of stops with one garbage bag being put into different trash receptacles, are you really that naive that you wouldn't wonder what's going on? So, again, I, you see this a lot where people don't know how to lie after a murder has been committed And they try to fall into this. I was naive and I didn't know what was going on. But the jury never really buys that very often.
1: Well, the judge dealt a real blow to the defense by suppressing all of her so-called searches, phone calls, texts on her phone while she was in the car. But let me just explain. Uh, Actually, I'll let Dave Mack explain it what the state's theory is and again we are waiting right now for the trial of mistress michelle traconis to start listen our cut eight
3: investigators believe Dulos took a toyota tacoma without permission driving to new canaan in a video caught by a passing school bus the tacoma is seen on the side of the road near waveney park there's a bicycle in the back and it's approximately 100 feet from where jennifer Dulos suburban would be found Police believe Dulos rode the bicycle to Jennifer Dulos' house, lying in wait until she returned from taking the children to school. Then, he assaulted her in the garage. He then drove the Suburban, with Jennifer Dulos dead or unconscious inside, to the park and transferred the body into the Tacoma. Just five days later, police find video of Fotis Dulos again driving the Tacoma without permission, heading to a car wash. Police were able to find traces of Jennifer Dulos' DNA on the vehicle's passenger seat of the Tacoma. The man who owns the truck, Paul Welles-Gemini, is among the 250 people who may be called to testify. From BBC
7: Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip.
6: I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've
7: summoned something from this board. This is is uncanny usa
1: he says somebody's in the house and i screamed
7: listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare the journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road but if you're ready for a change consider taking zen for a spin Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10 day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at Zen.com. That's Z Y N.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.
8: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast growing health and wellness industry. Time Stories with Nancy Grace.
1: So let me understand, Jen Smith. Potas Dulos barred employees' vehicle without their permission. And now Jennifer Dulos's DNA is on the vehicle's passenger seat of that Tacoma. There's no reason her DNA should be on somebody's, the back passenger seat, as I recall it, of the Taco, the Toyota Tacoma. Uh, of a guy she doesn't really even know. And he, Dulos, borrowed the truck and was driving around with Michelle Traconis in the front seat. Yes, no, Jen Smith. Yeah, absolutely. And,
0: you know, talk about horrible bosses, right? I just want to point out that this employee never been a suspect, never been arrested, never been accused in any way of having any involvement in this. Like the uh, sound clip you just played pointed out, he may well be called to testify. He's been very cooperative with the police. Um, it really speaks to kind of the character of Votie Sulis, right? If he's willing to involve very innocent
1: people, including his employees in this, it kind of shows you what, what type of man he was. And when it comes to murder, there's no defense. I was just, quote, along for the ride. I want you to listen to police interviewing Michelle Traconis in ARCUT 21. Oh, by the way, she's worried during the interview, not about Jennifer Dulos being murdered. She's worried that Photos Dulos, her lover, wanted to get back with his wife. Listen to this. If he
5: can kill the mother of his five children, somebody who appears to have been wanting to get back with that mom, according
3: to his phone... Yeah.
5: Sorry, I didn't get it. I said, here he kills the mother of his five children. Uh-huh. And according to his, you know, from what we hear from other people and his phone, uh-huh. he, will, is he he appears to have been wanting to get back with mm-hmm. yeah, right. that woman. But who
1: wanted to get back to her? The, the, to produce, the love Jennifer? of your life. The he man, man in, yeah, the man you sleep mm-hmm. with every night. Text yeah. nice
3: message to
1: her. Yeah, she's not like, wow, Jennifer Delos has been murdered. There's a gallon of her blood on the floor. No, she's like, who wanted to get back with her? That's all she cares about. Is she insane? I don't don't really get it, Robin Drake. The woman has been slaughtered. Her five children are going to grow up without a mom. And she's like, he wanted to get back with her? No way.
6: Yeah, it just shows that she, (laughs) the behavior is indicative of the fact that the death is not a shock to her. And the self-centeredness in her statements.
1: Let's hear more from the mistress Michelle Traconis again, not caring at all about the dead mom of five, but all consumed with the fact that Photos Doulos, Photos Doulos, that lion piece of crap. She's all concerned he wanted to get back with his wife. Listen our cut 23. We have his
2: phone. We have everything.
9: I know, but for what? Michelle, Michelle, when he told
2: you,
3: let me tell you
9: something about photos. I didn't know.
3: Yeah, Michelle. Michelle, we're trying to tell you We want to tell you something that everyone in this room is probably going to agree with. Photos lies to everyone. And the reason he lies to everyone is he cares about one person in the world, himself. That's himself. He didn't care about his first wife, he didn't care about his second wife, he doesn't care about you. He says all kinds of things to all kinds of people to get what he wants. Okay? He manipulates, he controls. We have no doubt he did that to you. He lies to you.
7: He didn't so we're tra-
3: I, I know you didn't know, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to explain it to you. So he owes you, he feels he owes you nothing. If he could put this murder on you,
7: he would, he would
1: do, in. So yes. do you not? You can hear her in the background
0: going.
1: <clears throat> she only starts crying when they talk about him trying to get back with his wife. That's all this woman cares about. And I want to also play, you're hearing Michelle Traconis herself speaking, and I want to let you hear what, um, who was that talking, either Robin Drake or Jeff Gentry, about calling her, it, it was Robin, about calling her the most hated woman in America. She's not crying about the five children now without a mother. Listen. Have
3: you looked at the news at all?
5: Have you seen your face plastered? I mean, I'll be honest with you, you're probably one of the most
9: hated women in America right now. And I'm not being mean. I So this is like the golden ticket. If you know where he could have done something and could have, where he frequents... If you could tip us off, maybe he said something to ingest, something in passing that you can say, you know what, that rings a bell. Maybe. All right.
1: But Jen Smith, DailyMail.com, she never did. She has to this day never given up where she thinks Jennifer Dulos' body is
0: yeah correct she is absolutely maintaining that she knows nothing about what happened to jennifer Dulos um and insisting that she was never made part of any form of cover-up to assist Dulos. jump in mark sherman yeah i I just i still don't see evidence that she
2: intentionally assisted photos with the actual murder if you want to talk about covering it up there's a very strong argument from the state that's what hindering prosecution is the 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 driving around the dumping the, the bags the, the alibi scripts, but where no one has pointed to anything that said she was aware she was going to be killed and that she
1: participated in that. That's actually a really good point. What about it, Dr. Jeff Kalaszewski? To
5: go back to an earlier point where the idea when you're trying to get information out of someone during an interview, you know, it's, it's like these detectives tried to put her in a position where she was going to have an emotional reaction towards spite and want to rat out her boyfriend. But to a point that was made earlier, they didn't really give her an opportunity, sort of an off-ramp to get out of this. And when the the points have been brought up about, okay, this woman was murdered, she's a mother of five children. In those types of situations, you want to give an off-ramp that maybe gives her an opportunity to show, if there is any, compassion towards this situation. And that you ticket. sort of approach it and like you feel bad for her that she's caught up in, in this. So can you provide us more information? They try to put her into a position where she's going to be spiteful towards this man that she apparently loves. And, and that's a hard sell. But again, they didn't give her an opportunity or provide her an off ramp by showing um, a little bit of, if, if even fake, compassion towards her that oh um, we're so sorry you're caught up in this situation hey we want to help you get out of this tell us what really happened
1: okay let me let me throw that to you robin jump in yeah so to the point exactly
6: the when you're interviewing someone and trying to inspire confession and offering that off ramp, the off ramp's got to be in terms of what's important to that individual. And a lot of times right. you guess at it and they guessed at it and missed the mark. And that's why she never took the golden ticket. She had no idea what that golden ticket was.
1: Hmm. Dr. Kendall Crown's way in place. Well,
6: I, I would just say
9: this is you have a lot of the blood at the scene. You've got multiple trash bags in the back of a truck that isn't his. There's blood in the truck. And he's disposing of body parts as he's driving about uh, this affluent suburb with his girlfriend slash whatever you want to call her on her phone, not paying attention. Somehow I find it odd that uh, she had no idea what was going on and what he was up to. But that's, of course, my opinion. But it's hard to dispose of a body and the way that they've not been able to find it. He had to have cut her up into pretty small pieces and somehow disposed of her torso with nobody knows, noticing, including the person in the chair next to him in the vehicle that he
4: was disposing the body with.
1: Jeff Gentry, what about it? Um, I actually have
4: a question mm-hmm. um, related to Michelle's involvement. So this was obviously a planned murder. Um, you know, it was very clear, but with her having generated notes with Fotis about <clears throat> the alibi, Couldn't that be considered involvement in the murder, even if she didn't necessarily directly participate in killing
1: her? Well, you're absolutely correct, Jeff Gentry. What about it, Jen Smith? The notes we haven't even gotten to them.
0: Yeah. So when Fotis Doulos was trying to establish his alibi for the morning of Jennifer Doulos' disappearance, he enlisted the support of his girlfriend, Michelle Chaconis, and asked her to walk him through exactly what they had done that morning. Um, where he was when he was there, kind of additional timestamps so that they could hand it over to the police. They literally concocted the story together of where he was. Now, the question, obviously, is whether or not it was a true story. Michelle insists that she didn't lie, and he was everywhere that they claimed he was. But it's it's fishy to, to have to sit down together and put together the timeline on the morning of your wife's murder you would surely know where you are. You wouldn't need to confer with anybody about it if you have nothing to hide. That is the state's case. That's what
2: hindering prosecution is. It's rendering assistance to someone who has committed a murder. And I think that's that's where she has the exposure.
1: The trial's set to start. We wait as justice unfolds. Goodbye, friend. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash Nancy. Thanks, Lisa Mattress, for being our
8: partner. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products.